Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. So James chapter 5, starting from verse 13, is what he writes. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it may not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. And we'll cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray to this, shall we? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you so much for all that you've done already in our time together. Thank you for your presence, Lord. We don't take that for granted. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you're with us. Whether we feel you or not, you're here. And you want to speak and you want to transform and you want to encourage and you want to challenge. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room, wherever they're at with you. Uh, And Father, I pray as we consider prayer, you would just encourage us into a new season of praying individually and corporately. And God, I pray this would be a a life-changing message for at least one person in this room. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray, and just speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to, to be here. And so we've worked our way through the book of James, and uh, the series is called Faith Works. And we've just been exploring how does faith work in certain situations. And this, e- this afternoon, we're looking at how does faith work out in prayer. And uh, we've seen that faith is actively trusting God. It is that we saw, didn't we, that faith without works is dead. But we see that we're justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. That there's a fruit to faith. It isn't something that's just spoken out. It's, dis- it's discerned and shown in areas of our lives as we begin to trust Jesus. And one of the areas that it's shown is in our prayer life. You see, the Bible says in John 3.16 that who- whoever believes in the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved and have eternal life. You know, for God so loved the world, that famous verse. Then in John 17 verse 3, John tells us what eternal life is. And it isn't living forever alone. Eternal life is this, that they may know you. That is the whole message of the Christian faith. It is a relationship with a holy God. It isn't rules. It isn't regulations. It's not a a philosophy. It's not a cultural thing. It's a relationship with a king. And part of that relationship is talking with him. It's spending time with him. If you want a healthy relationship with Jesus, you need to spend time in prayer. 
The way you have a healthy marriage, just in case you're wondering, is by talking together and with one another. Not at one another, but hearing from one another too. And it's the same with walking with Jesus. If you want a healthy relationship with him, there should be a depth and a time spent with him in prayer. If God was to spell uh, love, T-I-M-E, how much do you love him? How much time do you spend just enjoying him? And I guarantee as we looked about prayer and as we're going to think about prayer, loads of different reactions in this room. You guys are getting to know me and, and I hate faking it. I hate pretending. I hate religion. I just want us to be real with one another this afternoon. Amen? So let's just be honest and just say all of us struggle with prayer at times. And when we think about prayer, I reckon this would have landed differently in this room. So some of you would have just thought, well, I'm going to switch off because prayer isn't my thing. I'm going to leave it to the inner circle, those sort of spiritual SAS who really know how to pray. But my life is too busy. Jesus understands. Can't squeeze him in. Hey-ho, I've got all eternity with him in heaven, so he'll understand. And I guess maybe someone, if you're honest, that's how your approach is to pray. You may not articulate it that way, but that's certainly how you live your life. And my prayer is that as we consider this, this glorious gift of prayer, is that God will challenge you and refresh you and encourage you to open up into a new season of prayer in your life with Jesus. Maybe you're here, and if you're honest, but the whole prayer thing just makes you uncomfortable. You, you just struggle with prayer. And whenever you hear a sermon on prayer, you never feel liberated. You just feel condemned. You, you never kind of leave it feeling, woohoo, I'm going to pray more. You just leave it feeling, oh my goodness, I don't pray enough. And let's be real this afternoon. We're here to liberate each other into a new season of prayer, not to look back and feel naff about our lack, our lack of prayer. And so this afternoon, whatever we're going to look at, we look at what James says, this is to liberate us, to set us free, to say, look, however I've lived up until now, there's a new season ahead. So maybe you just feel insecure and guilty about prayer because you don't do it enough. Well, this afternoon, God wants to encourage you to step out. Maybe you're here and your hair, your prayer, your hair life, your prayer life is, uh, I could have got away with that if I hadn't repeated myself, bless me. Your prayer life is actually really healthy and you love prayer and you spend lots of time in prayer. Well, I want to challenge you, don't get spiritually smug. Don't become a snob. Don't become arrogant. I've heard some Christians, not here, but other Christians in other places almost give the impression that they're the real ones who know how to pray. And everyone else is just, oh, bless them, they're giving it their best shot. You know, I've heard people say, well, you come to our prayer meeting, we really know how to pray there. Well, that's not really a biblical phrase. Because prayer is just asking God, talking with God, communicating with God. And so we need to allow the reality of what the Bible says. The bar is very low when it comes to prayer. You don't have to reach a standard of maturity. You don't have to have a, a theological degree to use words that everyone else doesn't understand, but nods, oh, yes, Lord, pretending they really do understand them. Okay, the bar is low, guys. Every single person in this room, whether you've been a Christian two minutes, 40, 50, 60 years, wherever you're at, God wants you to pray and engage with him in prayer. But maybe you're here this afternoon, and when we think about prayer, we are going to turn to James in a moment, but I just really feel this is important to lay the scenarios out. And if you're in your reality is this, that when you think about prayer, your heart just sinks in disappointment. There are those of us in this room this afternoon who fasted, prayed with all the faith that we've mustered and still situations didn't change. 
Maybe that loved one, you've been praying for decades to know Jesus. And this afternoon, they seem further away from him than they've ever been. And if you're honest, you're saying, is it worth it? Can I keep going? Or that person who was seriously ill and you prayed and you fasted, you anointed, you laid hands, you did everything. And yet they still went to be with Jesus in glory. And we've got to be real. There's a divine mystery to prayer. For those of us who are going to engage in prayer, we've got to balance this up of, God, I know you can do this. But I also know there are times when you don't answer prayer the, uh, the way I want you to. And we've got to be real, friends, when it comes to prayer. We've got to be biblical. And so we'll explore a bit of that this afternoon. Maybe some of you just think, well, when it comes to prayer, if I'm honest, I don't do it because I don't really believe it makes a difference. And let's just be real. Let's be honest this afternoon. Maybe you just struggle to pray because you just think it's a waste of time. You just feel a bit of a plonker doing it. Well, this afternoon, let's be refreshed and renewed and encouraged to step in. But maybe you hear when you think about prayer, you just feel confused and awkward. Prayer just feels too big for you. You've attended a meeting once to pray with other people, and they seemed so confident. They prayed so eloquently. They were just so amazing. And, and your attempts to pray out loud were so feeble you felt in comparison that you just feel awkward ever attending a prayer meeting again. Well, I want us to be set free from that. And as a family here this afternoon, say we want to pray corporately together. But I also want to say, come on, it's time to step into a new season individually too. And we see in these verses in James four sort of areas of prayer, four situations of prayer, context of prayer that he wants to encourage us to step in and explore more how our faith works in prayer. And the first area is the individual at prayer. We see that in verse 13. James tells us, James tells us we need to build our own prayer, personal prayer life. It says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. And that word suffering simply means enduring hard times, troubles, or affliction. I love the fact he doesn't give a, a specific instance. He just gives this general truth. He says, if you're struggling, pray. If, you, if you're going through a hard time, pray. Any discomfort, any struggle, any tension, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, pray. Whether it's someone else or it's you, if you're struggling, pray. And I guess I just want to put the challenge out there is your first response when stuff gets tough to pray. Do we tell everyone else, including Facebook, before we tell the king of kings? You see, James is saying our default position is that when stuff happens, is to get on our knees before our loving father, to draw near to that God of all comfort and to pray to him. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And Max Lucado puts it this way. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Corrie ten Boom challengingly puts it this way. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Oh. That hit me between the eyes when I heard that for the first time. Is prayer something I do as a rhythm of life? It's just naturally the way I steer my life. Or is prayer something that only happens when I get a puncture and I'm in a crisis moment? Prayer should be just a natural rhythm of life, is what James is saying. And then he says, make your prayer as well combined with thanksgiving. 
says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And our personal prayer lives need to be this, this balance between intercession and laying things before Jesus. But it needs to start with thanking him and adoring him and magnifying him. As the psalmist says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. So I want to encourage you in your personal prayer life that it's your responsibility to build, I'm afraid. You can't blame anyone else for your personal prayer life but you. Okay, so you take responsibility. Say, okay, this is what I'm going to try and build into my walk with Jesus. And build into it. Okay, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to just start with thanksgiving. Even if it's, God, I thank you that I'm alive today and I've got oxygen to breathe. That's a really good starting point. Even if it's at that level. But then I tell you what, when you start thinking about it and you think, God, I'm so thankful for your patience over my life. I can't believe you put up with me. Or maybe you're more holy than me. But the the older I get as a Christian, the more amazed I am that Jesus sticks with me. Some of you are like, oh, man alive, you need to stop living in denial. All of us are broken. And when you begin to reflect on the grace and the patience and the faithfulness of King Jesus, how can we do anything other than just say, thank you so much, God. And so in our personal prayer lives, cultivate this heart of thanksgiving is what James is saying. And so could it be with us this morning? And let's just nail this one. Not one person in this room prays enough. All of us struggle in this. So it's not a case of, oh, you know, I'm really struggling. Join the club. Okay, all of us are in this moment of time where we're saying, God, I want to enter into a new season with you. Martin Luther once said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Wow. So much time to be spent with the king. Here's just four really basic, simple, you've heard it before, thoughts on how to develop a personal prayer life. The first is find the best time of day for you to pray. For me personally, it's the first thing in the morning. It's when I'm the freshest and I just lay the day before Jesus. But when is the best time of day for you? But then also, if you are so busy in your life, diarize it. Just put it in as a business meeting. No one else needs to know. Jesus won't be offended. He understands the heart behind it. But if you diarize it, it will happen in a way that it won't happen if you just think, well, I'll try and squeeze him in. Okay, we need to structure our days. And if that's one of the issues, put it in your diary each day. Find the best place for you to pray. Where's the best place for you just to get away and just to find that space to pray with Jesus? Find the best way for you to pray. We're all different in this. What is the way that you find the easiest just to spend time talking with him and laying things at his feet? For me personally, and you don't have to do it this way at all. I'm just sharing this for my personal, uh, how I find it helpful, is that I just start off with worshipping him. I just put a worship song on and I adore him and I magnify him. And then I just pray in tongues and just continually to pray in tongues until I just sense that sense of, yeah, I'm in that place, God. And it doesn't always happen, but very often it's that sense of, yeah, my heart is still. I'm ready now to come into your presence and to lay things at your feet. And I just thank him and I pray in tongues. And then for me personally, I have 10 prayer sheets. I, I just have a, a number of things on each sheet. So I start off by praying for my family, for my wife, Shana, my kids, Sophie and Josh. And I pray God's blessing and protection and favor over them. Pray for my wider family. Uh, and then I pray uh, for my mates who don't yet know Jesus. I've got 43 of them. 
and I name them before him. As men, I'd say every day, but that would be lying, and Jesus is listening, so I won't do that. But I pray as regularly as I can for my friends who don't yet know him, because I know praying makes a difference. And then I've got another hundred people who are involved either in church ministry or, or friends who are walking with him or, or other people who are just named before the Lord. And then I pray for a life church. I pray for Stuart and Irene. I pray for the Vision Core team. I pray for everyone involved in leadership across the life church. Then I pray for a life Grantham and I pray for our location forum and for connect group leaders and our wider leaders. And I just work my way. And that sounds quite sort of methodical. But for me, that's just the way it works best. My mind just wanders otherwise. You might be completely different, and that is fine, okay? Please don't think I've got to do it that way. But I'm just trying to encourage you that, that maybe we need to be a bit more methodical to enable us to intercede and to pray each day or as much as we can. So develop a personal prayer life. Is that okay? Hip hip? Oh, awesome. Okay, number two. The second context is the leadership at prayer. James then turns to verses 14 to 15 to a church leadership team at prayer. And these are incredible verses. So I'm just going to very quickly try and teach what I understand they mean. And you can go and chew on them in your own time. But my understanding is James here has a specific example of someone who's so seriously ill, they're flat out in bed. That's why he can't go, they can't go to see the elders, but the elders have to be called to them. That's why James says pray over them. It's the only place in the Greek, in the entire New Testament, you see that pray phrase, over them. Usually it's praying for them, but in this moment, James says over them, which for me shows that he's saying that physical sense of praying over them. And then when he says the Lord will raise them up, for me personally, understand that is if they're physically healed, they get up. They're physically raised up. And so James says, gather the church leadership team. This, this group of people who have the authority and the anointing under God to pray for people. Anoint them with oil, that symbol of the Holy Spirit. And there's this phrase that has caused so much controversy. And again, I'm just going to share how I understand it. Just think it through for yourself. God's given you a brain. So think it through. He says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. And here's my understanding of that. My understanding is that when James writes this, and you read it in the original Greek, literally he's saying the prayer of the faith. He's marking out this prayer as something that's in some ways distinct and unique to just everyday prayer. My understanding is what he's saying here is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 as the gift of faith. And this is what I understand that to be, that we pray for healing all the time. Whether we feel it or not, whether we even specifically believe God is definitely going to heal that person or not, we pray. But there are moments where God, by his Holy Spirit, supernaturally gives us a confidence and assurance that that person, for this particular moment, for that particular sickness, will be healed. And that is the gift of faith that Paul talks about. And that's my understanding of what James means here by the prayer of the faith. My understanding, and please, if you're offended by this, we're one in Christ, don't hate me. But my understanding is the Bible doesn't say just get enough faith and people will be healed. I just don't see that in Scripture. There are instances where you pray with everything. And I'm sure you have. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've had all the faith in you to continue to pray. And that person has still died. And then equally, you've prayed and you've fasted and you've prayed with all the faith that's in you, just like you did before. And that person's supernaturally healed. We've seen it in Grantham. 
bleeds in the brain, healed. Kidney disease, healed. We've seen it again and again. God does heal today. But he doesn't always heal in the way that we want him to, this side of glory. I don't personally see the New Testament teachers name it and claim it. I don't personally see in the New Testament, if you have enough faith, God is definitely going to heal that person. I just don't see that. In the New Testament, we see God gloriously heals, and he does heal. We never stop praying for healing. We're going to pray for healing today for anyone who wants healing in this place and needs healing. But until there's that gift of faith, that risk, that's, and if you've never felt it, if, if you're thinking, I don't know what he means, you've never had it. Okay, This is the sort of thing that is so deep in your soul that you know in that moment God is going to heal. That it's just, it's just unqualified. You don't, it's just 100% because it's a supernatural confidence. And the moment you get that, even then I'd be hesitant to say to someone, you're definitely going to be healed. But until you get that, you just keep praying, keep believing, keep crying out. Does that make sense? Do you guys really hate me now? I believe in faith. I know faith has a part in prayer. We see that in other places in the text, the New Testament. But I just don't see this sense of if you have enough faith, God will definitely heal that person. I don't see it. I don't see it in the Bible, which is the old important thing. But I've just seen people's faith in Jesus smashed because they've held on to this doctrine of name it and claim it. And when God didn't heal that person, they couldn't get over it, if I'm honest. And they struggled to move on. And James says, the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. The word save is sozo, which can refer to a physical healing as well as a salvation in that sense. And so that's my understanding of the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Sam Storms puts it this way. There is more than me, sort of this prayer of faith is more than merely, merely believing that God is able to heal. This appears to be the faith that he, in this particular case, is not only willing to heal, but plans to heal right now. And we'd love to pray. And the leaders of this church would love to pray and anoint you with oil and cry out to God to move. And so we believe that, passionately believe that. I've experienced that. I know God heals today. Keep praying. Don't give up as we're going to see. So the leadership of prayer, third area. You guys still with me? Good. Is the friends at prayer. Because you see, you could read those verses and think, well, I'll just leave it to all the the church leaders then. Well, James goes, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. This is a game everyone gets to play. And he says in verse 16, love one another, support one another, be real with one another, and make sure you pray for one another. And, And please see what James is saying here. In this context of prayer, he says, confess to one another. Really important. Basically, my understanding of that is two things. Firstly, he's saying there, you need people in your life you are 100% transparent with. I don't think he means there in front of the whole church, lay everything out. (laughs) But one thing what he is meaning is there is you have two or three mates who you share everything with. There isn't any secret sins in your life. There's an authenticity and integrity to you. But I think also what he means there, in the context of this local church that he's writing to, he's saying you need to make sure if there's any bitterness in your heart towards one another, you deal with it. Because it will impact your corporate prayer life as a church. And so when you think about your heart 
with, one other, with other people in this church. It really is important. You know, how we talk about one another, how we are for, to one, towards one another, how we speak about one another behind our backs, as we've seen in James, is crucial. And James is saying here, your attitude to one another will impact the effectiveness of your prayer life. And this is where we need the work of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> this isn't natural, is it? To, to, to live in such a way that you're so patient with people that you'd, who you'd rather give up on is a work of God. It's totally countercultural. To be a, a, a group that is so compassionate, loving, patient, forgiving is totally opposite to the way the world works. And it's a work of grace. And James is saying here that a church that is relational and transparent is a church that can be powerful in prayer. So he says, after confessing your sins, pray for one another. I love that. He's saying, uh, he's saying that after you've dealt with any relational issues, pray for one another. Don't leave it just to the church leaders. You pray for one another. You have a responsibility to go for it. And I love that. He just says it's all inclusive. It means everyone, regardless of age, education, maturity in Christ, you're called to pray for people in this church. And he says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We're righteous in Christ. That is the righteousness that is ours. So you might be here thinking, well, I'm not good enough. If you're claiming that Jesus is your Lord and you're trusting him, you're good enough. You pass. And it's not about you. It's about him. It's about trusting him. And suddenly you're, you're forgiven forever. You're righteous in him. None of us will be good enough. And James is saying a righteous person has great power in prayer. And so for those of us who are children of the king, we can boldly draw near to the throne of grace because of what Jesus has done. Don't ever let the devil rob you of the joy of prayer. Don't ever let him, let him intimidate you thinking, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not clever enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not consistent enough because it's all by grace. But that also means none of us have got an excuse not to pray. <laughs> Because the challenge is also, we see elsewhere, we saw in James 4, how we treat people and how we live our lives will impact the effectiveness of our prayers. If you're living a life of hypocrisy and you're doing nothing about it, you just think, with well, this habitual sin in my life, I'm forgiven, it doesn't really matter. And I'm really sorry, but it will impact your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And it really will impact the effectiveness of your prayers. But when we come to God in humility and grace, he's so loving and he'll never give up on us. But if we want to be a church that is powerful in prayer, we need to deal with relational tensions. But we also need to deal with how we're walking with King Jesus and be people who mess up because we do. But we come and we keep short accounts with the Lord and say, God, I want to walk in righteousness with you. And then the fourth area is the prophet at prayer. And it's almost like James is saying, this guy that you really hold up as an incredible prayer warrior, Elijah, is an ordinary man like me and like you. He's, he's saying he wasn't anything special. He was just an ordinary person used by God to do extraordinary things. And so this afternoon, I want to encourage you that you just read the Bible and God just uses broken people like me and like you to do incredible things through. So I encourage you, God wants to hear your prayers. He wants to use your prayers. And he says, 
Elijah prayed fervently. That means he was committed. He kept going. And if you read the story in 1 Kings 18, verses 41 and 46, we've got time. I've waffled on far too much. But I was going to look at this and we unpack it more, but we haven't got time. But we see in Elijah, he, he prayed fervently. He put his head between his knees in a sense of reverence and awe, saying, God, you're sovereign. You're able to. You're more than. And in this moment, I'm just bowing before you and saying, you are God. I am not. And then he persevered in prayer. He said to his servant, go and check out the cloud. And it wasn't there for the first six times. And then the seventh time, the cloud was there. He kept going in prayer. And there's people in this room. You've prayed for years for something. And God is saying, keep going. Don't give up. You've been praying for a church of thousands in this town. Keep praying. Don't give up. You've been praying for, for things in your family, in your marriage, in your, your kids. Keep going. Don't give up. That's what the word is for you this afternoon. Persevere. Keep clinging to God in prayer. Jesus totally understands our brokenness in prayer. He understands how hard it is to keep going, which is why he just tells parables like the persistent widow who just kept going to the judge and, and literally got to the point where he, she did his head in so much, this judge, that he said, oh, just do whatever you want. <laughs> keep going in prayer. Are we going to persevere? It's wonderful truth we see in Isaiah 30, verse 18. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And I want to ask this afternoon, individually, is it time to start building a prayer life? Spending time with Jesus. Working through what that means for you and how that can look. Be committed to it. Just between you and him. Is it time corporately as a location? We really feel this in Grantham at the moment that we need to step up our game corporately. That we want to come together and cry out to Jesus to see a location of 500 plus people. And it's not about numbers, but the more individuals that know Jesus and enjoy Jesus, the better, right? So we're not saying numbers for numbers sake. I just want more people to know him than currently do. And so we're crying out to him. And I want to encourage you as a location this afternoon that God is on this, the case for this location. I just really sense as we're, is this okay? Am I asking you? Is it all right if I just share what I felt God was saying? What I really felt, we're going to come and bring us to land in a moment. Is there more worship and stuff? Or Great, we'll worship in a moment as well and pray for people. But it's what I just felt God was saying. And test and weigh it and you can reject if you don't feel this is right. I felt God was saying, my dear children, there's a Davidic spirit that I'm placing upon this church. It's a spirit that has learned to grapple with lions and bears. But it is a spirit that will take down the giant that stands before you. And when Goliath falls, the army that I have prepared in this town will join you to rush into battle. And it is in, I just, that was it. I just pray God for this location. I pray, Father, for a rising up of faith and confidence in what you want to do in this place and what you want to do in this town for all the churches, God. But I pray especially for this location here. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come now. I pray especially for those who are struggling with pain and disappointment of 
prayer that was answered, but not in the way they were wanting it to be. I pray you'd encourage them to pick up the gift of prayer again. Come, Holy Spirit. And I want to finish with what I started with. That prayer is relational. It's not religious. It's not legalistic. If you never pray again, you're going to go to heaven. It's all by grace. But your relationship with Jesus will be very shallow. But it may be people in this room and you need to just start this relationship with him. This whole thing about prayer needs to begin with you asking him to come to be your Lord and your Savior and to enter into this relationship in the first place. And there's a, a prayer that we use each week in our life that will come up on the screen. And we're going to pray this prayer together. And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart if you're one of these two things. Firstly, if you're here and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're not and you're still thinking it through. This is not a pressure thing. But this afternoon, if you're in that place saying, yeah, I want to give my life to him. I want to stop playing games. I want to ask him personally to be my Lord and Savior. Then this is a prayer asking him to come and save you, to be the boss of your life. But secondly, specifically, those of us who are Christians, and if we're honest, our prayer life has just really waned. And if we're honest, we just don't really spend any time with God. And I want to encourage you to receive grace this afternoon. And maybe just use this prayer as a sense of recommitment. Saying, God, I want to, I want to journey with you again. I want to let you in again. I want to spend time with you again. And so just as we're seated, let's pray this out loud all together and then I'm going to pray for individuals so let's pray this together thank you God for loving me before I ever loved you thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today I admit that I've lived my life without you and have messed up I ask for your total forgiveness And I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.